Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Today's message, uh, I was praying about it, and I've been working on it, and, and I just felt like today's message for Father's Day needed to be a message on grace. Because it's just one of my favorite topics is grace. Grace and faith are two of mine. I know many of you would raise your hand with that as well. But today's message is titled, God's grace brings out the best in us. God's grace brings out the best in us. The passage of scripture that we're going to look at today is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 4. And I want to give you just a little background on the book of Hebrews because I feel like the background helps us to understand what has taken place and it helps us to be able to, to, be able to walk in faith as we hear God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to implement this word in our life. The book of Hebrews was written by a Jew. We don't actually know exactly who the author is. I believe it's probably the Apostle Paul, but some believe it was Silas or Barnabas or Paulus. And so there's other ideas out there, but we do know this, that the book was written to Hebrews. It was written to Jewish converts, people who had, had walked away from, from the Old Testament Judaism and they're putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And they're making a change in their heart. And, and, and the Apostle Paul writes this book on behalf of them because some of them were having a hard time in following Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to dive into that a little bit more. But the book of Hebrews is filled with teachings on the doctrine of faith and grace. The book of Hebrews, as you read through it, you'll see that the, Old Test- that the author compares the Old Testament sacrifices of sacrifice and animals to the New Testament sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the one and only sacrifice that we ever need for all of eternity. Amen? The author's purpose is to remind the Hebrews that, only, that the only option for salvation is by grace. Don't be distracted by all the other claims out there. They're all counterfeit. The only way that you're going to get into heaven is through Jesus Christ. Trying to earn your salvation through the law was an impossible task. It could not be accomplished. And ultimately what would happen if you followed the law, it would, it, it, it would eventually lead you to guilt and condemnation. Because guess what? You're going to fail. And once you fail the law, there is no answer for it. You're just, you're just in trouble. The author wanted the Jewish Christians to be set free from the law. Why? Because he knew if their faith remained in the law, then, there was their, then their faith was not in Jesus. And if their faith was not in Jesus, then there is no hope for salvation. Today, we might not live in the Jewish laws and customs, but many of us choose to live by our own set of religion, by our own set of regulations, by our own things that we think is right and wrong. And, and there's nothing wrong with right and wrong, but what I'm saying is so many times we put our, we put our hope and our trust in ourself yeah. instead of in Jesus. We put our faith in other things instead of putting our faith in Jesus. You know, it's interesting. Many times we discover where our faith is placed by examining our fears. Let me give you an example. Because see, usually our faith is very closely, closely connected to our fears. If someone fears poverty, guess what? They probably have a tendency to put a lot of faith on finances and wealth. 
if someone fears aging, they're probably putting a lot of faith on, on cosmetic surgery or uh, on different makeups or all these different. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Ladies, thank you for wearing makeup, okay? There's nothing wrong with all those things. Some of, you, some of us guys probably need to put some on. No, there's nothing wrong with all those things except if we invest our faith in that. We live in a society where many people are filled with fears. I don't know if you know that, but we do. It's amazing to think that we live in South Orange County. And I think South Orange County, people struggle with more fears than any place else. And yet we, South Orange County, you'd have to argue South Orange County has probably some of the, the wealthiest people and yet we still, it tells you that money doesn't answer your fears. It just doesn't. In fact, there's a lot of phobias out there. Do you know that? I looked up a list of phobias recently. I can't even say the first one. But do you know there's a fear of your peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth? That's a phobia. Some of you have this phobia, nomophobia. Anybody know what nomophobia is? It's the fear of being without your mobile phone. <laughs> I think I have that myself. Omphalophobia. Fear of belly buttons. How many have that? Vestophobia. Fear of clothing. Clothing. I've seen that fear down at the beach a lot lately. Yeah. Aerogophobia. Fear of work. I've also seen that fear down at the beach a lot lately. Phobophobia, you know what that is? Phobophobia. Fear of phobias. Fear of phobias themselves. I, I list that just to be funny and just to get some lightheartedness here today. But we, we really struggle with some crazy fears. Yet many people don't want to focus on the most important fear in life. Pastor Tom, I thought we weren't supposed to fear. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 10, he says... Verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We walk around with all these different fears that are crazy fears, stupid fears, dumb fears, each and every day. You know, is, is someone going to make fun of me today? How am I going to look? All these type of fears. And yet the fear that we should have the greatest fear in our life is what happens when I take that last breath of life? Will I really know and have a relationship with Jesus Christ who can save my life? That's the greatest fear that we should have. And that fear should actually turn into faith. Because when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you no longer have to fear eternity. All of a sudden, now you can walk with Jesus in faith. And that's what we're going to talk about today is grace. The grace that we discover through faith in Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, the Jewish people were so fearful of breaking the law that they began to worship the law instead of worshiping God. They were so fearful of breaking the law, they started worshiping the law instead of worshiping God. They feared the law more than they feared God. And bear in mind, God gave people the law. He was the one that gave them the law. But the reason he gave them the law was to point them to Jesus, not to start worshiping the law. But people chose to fear the law more than God. Therefore, they put their faith, catch this, therefore they put their faith in the law instead of Jesus. And some of us say, oh, we, I don't do that. Really? 
There's times I look at my bank account, oh my goodness, Lord, how am I going to do this? Or, oh man, I'm doing great. And what happens is our faith all of a sudden gets put into something else besides Jesus. It's not that we shouldn't manage our accounts wisely. It's not that we shouldn't be paying attention to those things. But we should never put our hope and our faith in something that is temporal when we have the ability to put our hope and faith in something that is eternal that has the answer for our soul. That is what Jesus is saying in this passage of Scripture. Many times our fears will give us insight to what we see as the most important things in our lives. I encourage you to pay attention to the words that Jesus said. Make sure that your faith is attached to what is important. Throughout the book of Hebrews, the author reminds people that putting their faith in the religious practices will fail and, sh- and f- fall short and leave them hopeless. Their only hope is in Jesus Christ. The text that we're going to read today is found in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. I'm going to read it to you today. And if you have your Bibles here today, or if you have your devices that you have your Bible, I would encourage you to leave it open right on that part. Don't be looking at the golf scores today. Just look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. It says these words. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a a great high priest who has ascended into heaven... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the presence of your spirit that we felt so strongly in our worship. And God, I pray right now for each and every one of us that are sitting here. That there will be a marriage between, they're they're one and the same, but there will be a marriage between your written word and the power of your spirit that will change our lives today. I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said? The first truth that I want to share with you today is that grace accepts you as you are. Grace receives you the good, the bad, and the ugly. Grace doesn't only accept you if you're good. Why? Because guess what? None of us are good. Grace embraces the real you. Look at verse 15 again. It says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Jesus understands our weaknesses. He understands the temptations that you face. He understands the weakness of our flesh. Yet Jesus understands all of that, but when he came to this earth, guess what? He conquered over all of that and was sinless. He lived under the same temptation. He lived under the same weaknesses, but did not sin. Jesus is the only one who lived a perfect life. Therefore, grace is found only through Jesus Christ. And let me explain a little further what that means for each and every one of us sitting here today. Look around you for just a moment. Look at your neighbor. Look to your right. Look to your left. Look in front of you. Look behind you. You guys all have something in common. You know what that is? You're imperfect. You're all sinners. 
There is no one greater than anyone else in this room. We all sit in the same place as sinners before God. In God's eyes, we're all in the same boat. If that statement bothers you, then it means you haven't acknowledged your fallen nature. Listen to God's word. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. We all have fallen short of God's glorious. We are all sinners in God's eyes. This requires that we all enter into grace the same way. I'm, stay away with me. I know you, some of you might think, oh, I understand. I'll just keep walking with me for a minute. There is no fast pass. This ain't Disneyland, guys. You're not going to get in any other way besides what everybody else is going to have to do. It is through the grace of Jesus Christ. It is through our faith in Jesus Christ. And let me pre-warn you. Following Jesus will change you. And this is really the, the crux of my message today. When you follow the grace of God, when you follow Jesus, it will change you. When we embrace his, his, his grace, it changes us. Grace brings out the best in us. How does grace change your life? Grace takes your focus off of your sin and allows the good to be developed in your life. Does it, I'm not saying, don't be leaving here texting or putting on Instagram, Pastor Tom says, I can go do all the sins I want because it doesn't matter. No, I did not say that. What I am saying is, guess what? We get stuck in our sins. And grace is the reset button that God wants us to hit and say, you know what? Lord, forgive me of my sins. I am so sorry that I did that stupid thing. And he wants you to hit the reset button so that you can walk away from your sin and you can start putting your focus on Jesus Christ. See, there's no way, it's, it's almost impossible for us to glorify God if we're going to remain stuck in our sin. That's how grace changes your life. It takes your focus off sin and allows you to be, for your, the goodness of God to be developed in your life. God, grace creates a pathway for your success. Without God's grace, you're eternally lost. By the way, when we experience the grace of God, there should be fallout, like an atomic bomb. In the fallout, I know that's kind of a gross way of putting it, but anyhow. When God's grace hits us, there should be a fallout of how we impact other people's lives. There's a great story in, found in Luke chapter 7 where Jesus is anointed by the woman who brought this alabaster jar of expensive perfume. And there's several of these stories in the Gospels. But she knelt behind Jesus and Jesus was most likely reclining at the table which is what they did in the New Testament days many times they they laid and they reclined and ate and and this woman with this alabaster jar she walks in and she begins to kneel at the feet of Jesus and as she's kneeling at the feet of Jesus she begins to weep and as she's weeping the tears are are hitting Jesus' feet and she takes her hair and she starts to wipe off his feet and she begins to kiss his feet and then she begins to anoint his feet with the perfume that's in the alabaster jar. And as she is doing this, there's a Pharisee who saw this taking place. His name is Simon, but it's not Simon Peter. It's a person named Simon. He's a Pharisee, and he sees what's happening, and he begins to criticize what's taking place in his mind. Never have bad thoughts when Jesus is in the room. Because Scripture says he read the man's mind. And then he challenges him. Jesus told the Pharisee, 
I tell you, her sins, and they are many. Jesus didn't just lightly just brush. He says, and they are many have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. What is Jesus saying in that passage of Scripture? You see, he's responding to the Pharisee who feels like he has very little sin. He feels like, man, I got everything together. I'm all that and a bag of chips. I'm, I'm, in, good, I'm in good standing. I'm doing well. I don't need a lot. You see, when Jesus entered his, this Pharisee's home, his name is Simon, when he entered his home, Jesus wasn't not wasn't offered any water to wash his hand. He wasn't offered any water to wash his feet. He wasn't given the appropriate customs that were normally when you're welcomed into a home, you're welcomed with, these, with this bowl of water to wash up. He didn't receive any of that. And Jesus calls him out on it. And why would Jesus call him out on it? Because Jesus recognized that he didn't respect him. See, the man didn't need Jesus. He thought he had it all together. He didn't have a whole lot of sin. The woman who came in with the alabaster jar, she knew that she needed Jesus. She was broken and she loved Jesus so much. You see, sometimes we have to understand, if we don't understand the sin that we're in, how are we ever going to understand the love that we have for Christ? Because it's through Christ that our sins are forgiven. If we ever get to this place where all of a sudden we feel like we're so good. We have it all together. And we walk around like back in the Pharisees' day. They had these robes and they had all these wonderful things that were draping over their robes. And they could be seen from everybody. And everybody thought these were the godliest people. If we ever get to that point. All of a sudden, we're worshiping self instead of worshiping Jesus. Our salvation is found in our goodness instead of our salvation being found in Jesus Christ through his grace. Because guess what? Your goodness in God's eyes is only wretched in comparison to what Jesus is for our lives. Amen? I'm preaching really good. I'm about ready to go down here and shut myself down again. person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. The Pharisee's love for Jesus was non-existent because he saw himself as self-sufficient and better than others. When we truly encounter the grace of Jesus, it will direct us towards God's original design for our life. A life forgiven and set free. Second truth we can discover from grace is grace frees you from shame. Many struggle with shame. They live their entire life hiding, embarrassed because of their sins. They allow the fear of shame to control their life. Their, their fear and shame are relatives. They're like kissing cousins. They go hand in hand. When fear is there, there's usually shame along with it. Shame is the opposite of grace. Shame is the act of being disgraced. It's having someone know your sins and then that person using those sins against you. It's to humil humiliate a person. Do you know the enemy is good at putting shame on you? So many times in life what happens is the enemy is willing to put that shame on our lives. And it creates these unhealthy fears in our life. The fear of inadequacies, the fear of the past, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of being different, the fear of unrealistic expectations. All caused because of shame. As a result what happens in our life we live in fear of shame and our potential is never reached. 
You can spend your entire life living in sin and feeling guilty and feeling, and, and what happens is that's where the enemy wants to put you. He wants to help, help you just, he wants to, if he, if he can put walls around you of shame and keep you trapped right there, guess what he knows? You will never get out into the freedom that God's grace will provide for you where you have the potential to be an overcomer, to do things that God has planned for your life, all of your life, because you're stuck in shame. Grace sets you free from the prison of shame. Sets you free. It's so important if you look at verse 13 again, because this is, I believe this helps us set, set us free from shame. Listen to the verse. It says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's light or God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. It is so important for us to grasp this thought, this idea. There is nothing in your life that is hidden from God. Everybody here, say nothing. 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 Do you remember when Adam and Eve first sinned? What happened? They went into hiding. Because they they had no clothes on. They were naked. They went into hiding. They went behind a curtain. They went behind a bush. They went like you can hide from God. Come on, guys. We can't hide from God. Nothing is hidden before God. God is, every, God is aware of every thought. Just like the thought of the Pharisee that was in that room when he was singing, God was aware of it. Every action, every word, every motive that has happened in and through your life, guess what? God is aware of it, and God still loves you. That's the key. God is aware of everything, and yet God still loves you. It means that God has no agenda. Catch this. Because some of you are living with this thought. God has no agenda to use your sin to disgrace you. Some of you need to be set free from that thought. Where all of a sudden you've been living your life thinking God is going to use the sins of your past to disgrace you. Guess what? God has no agenda, no desire to use the sins of your past to all of a sudden disgrace your life. The only thing that God wants to do is to set you free from the sins of your past so that you can walk in faith with Jesus Christ. He wants to set you free. God knows all your sin. God doesn't want to shame you. He wants to embrace you with the grace that has been provided through Jesus Christ. He wants to forgive every one of your sins, past, present, and future. He wants you to live in the freedom of his grace, not focusing on your failures, but focusing on living a life that will be glorifying to him. The action we take to be free from shame is repentance followed by grace. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's difficult to glorify God when you're living in shame. God knows that and desires to set you free. Also, grace is reflected in our lives by the way we treat others. When we live in shame, so many times we just don't do well in helping, working with people and loving people and, and treating people. When we get set free from that, guess what? It starts to be reflected in our relationships with our family, with our spouse, with our friends, everything else well, because we're not living in shame, we're living in grace. Grace sets you free. In John chapter 8, there was a woman who was caught in the adultery and she was about ready to be stoned. And some of you know that story. They drug her out from the house. She was caught in sin. Imagine that the woman's laying right here in front of us. And all of us, all of you and me, we are her accusers. And we take stones. 
This is, this is what happened in the, in the Bible. It's crazy days. Take stones, and we're going to start casting these stones at her. We're going to start throwing these stones at her. Because guess what? We've caught you in sin, the sin of adultery. And in the Old Testament law, it was punishable by death. And when Jesus walks into the scene, oh, he just walks in the scene. Whoa, 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 whoa. He who has no sin casts the first stone. He who has no sin casts the first stone. All of a sudden, the stones just start to drop. Boom, 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 boom. Why? Because there's no one there that wasn't without sin. They knew it, but they were willing to punish someone else for their sin without ever dealing with our sin. See, grace sets you free from that kind of crap. Pastor Tom said crap in church. Well, it's crap. And we need to be set free from that stuff so we can walk in the grace of God. God knows that our desires, and he wants to set us free from the prison of shame and the antidote is grace. The last thought I want to share with you today is this. Grace gives you a new position. And this is probably the most important one of all of them, if you can just hang with me for just a moment. Verse 16 tells us to approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Confidence, not in fear. Confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. As followers of Jesus we must recognize that we have been given a new position. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with Jesus. Say Jesus with me. I'm going to give you a crazy illustration right now. Don't boo me. Just popped in my head as I was preparing. It reminds me of the movie Central Intelligence. Rock, Kevin Hart. Rock's the big guy. Kevin Hart's the little guy. Guess what? Kevin Hart's life all of a sudden gained a lot more confidence when Rock was willing to walk in the room with him. Wherever, when Rock was with him, all of a sudden Kevin Hart grew like three feet and was walking through there. Because he had the confidence, not in his own strength, but he had his confidence that he had the Rock right beside him. Right? See, each and every day when you walk with Jesus... And this is a really bad pun, but you have the rock, not the rock that we see in Hollywood. You have the cornerstone, the salvation, the power of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. Why would you share such an illustration? Because I want you to remember it, okay? I want you to remember that you are not alone. You have the power of Christ with you each and every day. And as a believer, Jesus is your high priest. He represents you according to his perfection and his righteousness. That's why it says in Hebrews uh, verse 16, approach God's throne of grace with confidence. You can't approach God's throne of grace in confidence in yourself. The only way that you can approach the grace of God is through who? Jesus Christ. He's your buddy. He's walking you right up there. He's your advocate. He represents you. We don't have to be fearful and run away from God. We can be faith-filled and run towards God for all of our needs, including our sins, because we live under the righteousness of Jesus. But the enemy desires that you live under this condemnation, under your old position as a sinner without grace. And it's important to understand living under that position of condemnation will always lead you 
away from God, never towards God. But when you live under the position of Christ's righteousness, it always draws you closer to God. Paul writes these words in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 2. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. That word stand, the Greek word stand, carries the meaning to stand firm, to stand fast. Grace is the foundation of our life. It's where we now stand as a believer in Jesus. Think of a skyscraper that stands so tall up in the air. If you've ever seen any of them built, you will know that that skyscraper that stands so tall, it has a foundation that goes so, so deep. It's the only way that that skyscraper will be able to stand. And see, the only way that you're going to be able to stand through this life is by having a foundation that is so firm and so strong and His name is Jesus Christ. It's His grace. So that when all of a sudden the wind hits the skyscraper, when all of a sudden an earthquake starts to shake it, guess what? It won't fall because it has a foundation that's built deep into the ground. And when your roots are built deep into, the, into God's Word and into Jesus Christ and the power of His Holy Spirit, guess what? When the winds comes, when the troubles come, when all the difficulties come, you're going to stand firm. You're not going to give in. You're not going to fall. You're going, some of you need to hear that word. You're not going to fall. You're not going to fall. You're not going to fall because what? You have Jesus with you. You have a hope of salvation with you. God's grace is designed to bring his goodness out of you. Our grace towards others should be for the same purpose, to reflect God's holiness. The wonderful thing about grace is that it creates a clean slate. And our objective as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, is to grow in that grace. Because when we grow in that grace, guess what? what, would, what imagine what would happen if grace was applied to our marriage. What would happen if grace was applied to our parenting? Or maybe if grace was applied to our parents. Imagine what would happen if grace was applied to our friends, to our coworkers, to our employees, to our boss. Giving the opportunity for people to begin anew again. I shared yesterday at our men's breakfast that the only thing that holds us back from grace is pride. It's ourself. Trying to do it ourselves. Trying to do it, make it, our, I'm a self-made person. I don't want to be a self-made person. I want to be a God person, Jesus Christ person. The Apostle Paul learned that truth. He said, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Meaning strength comes from not depending on self, but strength comes from depending on Jesus. Depending on self leads, towards, leads us towards pride. And pride is the cause of so many negative issues that we have in our life. Pride is the cause of marital problems and problems in the workplace and raising our kids and problems in communication. And the way we overcome pride is by embracing God's grace. Becoming more dependent upon God and not on self. I read a cool acrostic, I, read, I shared this yesterday in the men's breakfast, for the word pride. This is acrostic for the word pride. Please remember, I destroy everything. Pride. Please remember, I destroy everything. 
When I is in complete control and not surrendered, then the I in our life will destroy the we's in our life. I is the ugly thing when left unchecked. When you surrender the I unto God and live under God's grace, it will bring the best out of you. On this Father's Day, I want to share with each and every father here today, I'm proud of you, just for being in church today. Just not too much, because I don't want to get prideful, but just a little bit. Of being in church and following and doing your best to be a, a father that presents Christ to your family. See, that's what we need more of, is fathers and mothers who are willing to, to demote the eye in their life and put their dependence more, more upon God. So guess what? So that the we can grow more healthier and better. Amen? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that your word is powerful, it's effective, and I pray for each and every person here today. For those, Lord God, that maybe are, feel like they're in prison, they're trapped with thoughts that they just struggle with, maybe they're thoughts of shame, maybe they're thoughts of pride, maybe whatever it might be that they're just, they're just trapped. I pray, God, your grace, Lord God, the grace that you have offered us will be received through their faith in Jesus Christ. And Lord God, as they start putting their faith in you more and more each and every day, as they start walking with you side by side, God, I pray that those walls of shame, those walls of pride, those walls that, Lord God, hold us from the things in our life that you want for us. I pray those walls will just start to crumble, start to fall down. And what will be replaced, Lord God, is a foundation strong and secure in you. I pray, God, that we would embrace your grace so that the very best in us, Lord God, which is you, Lord God, would come out of us. I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God good? He is faithful. He is, he is the one where you can put your hope. I guarantee it. He will not disappoint if you put your hope in Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.